everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ployer, and I am the founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool, the um, the organization that um, that hosts this this weekly broadcast, as well as the host of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. So we at SPED Homeschool empower families to home educate students with learning challenges, and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com and learn about the resources that we offer to support families, including some of the best resources on our website, which is our partners. And I'm super excited to have one of our partners with us today. Kathleen um, Clayton is um, with Right Start Math, and um, she and I have got to know each other over the years, and I'm super excited for her to share with you just um, from her experience of being a mom of five <laughs> and, um, and having so much um, education experience with with working with her own kids and also with um, with learners of all stages and um, uh, complexities of learning issues or maybe even giftedness um, especially around the mathematics um, table so so thanks for being with us today Kathleen well, thank you so much for having me having me Peggy it's been wonderful we've known each other for oh shoot what probably five, 10 years, maybe that we've kind of bumped yeah. into each other and done things. So yeah. thank you for having me. This is very nice. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm very excited for you to share. And this, this month we are focusing um, just on finding your inner teacher. And I think, you know, like we talked about the last couple broadcasts is we, we don't really know, especially if we are homeschooling or we have kids that learn different from us, like we're talking about today. Um, who am I as a teacher and how do I teach this child? Because we don't even think about it. unless you've gone to school to be a teacher and really thought through that process over a multiple year, you know, maybe you not even figured that out. If you were a teacher, you just try to kind of please everybody in your classroom. But um, figuring out who you are is so in such an integral part of how you present things. And um, and so I'm excited for you to share, Kathleen, because I know you've had multiple children that have challenged you in many areas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like God never gives us the same child, you know, the cookie cutter all the way down. And it just makes us change and twist and and do crazy things to try to get through to each one uniquely. So um, so I'm glad that you're here with your experience. And I'd love for you to start um just by telling us a little bit about you and your family so, um, so my viewers can get to know you. Well, thank you. Um, I am a, a, the oldest of three, and my mother is actually a very interesting person, and she's part of, well, not part of the reason. She is the reason why I am where I am today. Hmm. Uh, she's actually an electrical engineer. She was one of the first women at the University of Wisconsin-Madison um, that took up engineering as a woman. Hmm. Um, again, she's an electrical engineer, so she's one of those smart math people. She knows how math is applied. Mm -hmm. She's a Montessori teacher, so she knows how children are thinking and how they're taught. She mm -hmm. actually started that when I was about seven or eight, so she was going oh, back yeah. to school, and I was kind of in charge of coming home from school, and she'd leave me a list of, you know, what to cook for dinner and how to do it, and I took care of my sister and my brother, and mm. she was going to school. Then she went uh, back to school, she, so she taught Montessori for a while. She went back to school and got her master's in curriculum and instruction 
taught grade six, seven, and eight and said in math and mm. said, you guys are idiots. Not because <laughs> you're stupid, but you can't be doing higher level math if you don't have your basics. Right. So she went back to school again and got her PhD in mathematics education. Mm. The reason I bring that up is because that has influenced where I am today. Yes. So I saw this woman who was obviously a very important figure in my life, continually learning continually Hmm. bettering herself and growing and then she passed that on to us Mm -hmm. and I have with my children she helped me kind of create the framework as to how to teach my children Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate that all of my kids using the method that she taught me and and I'm I guess probably I get some credit there too but (laughs) I taught them all how to read before, before they were age five I have mm. one of my kids, my youngest one, he made it by like a week <laughs> before his fifth birthday. I could say, yes, you're reading. But wow. it, it was fun to experience that with the kids. Hmm. I think that's one thing when you're looking at finding your inner teacher. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to forget that we are teachers just because we've given birth to these children or adopted these children mm-hmm. and taught them how to speak, how right. to get dressed. Mm-hmm. You know, how to go potty in the potty chair. We yeah, talk in yeah. the colors. We've been teaching. So when it comes mm-hmm. down to how do I teach them to read, you've already been teaching them stuff. This is just one new thing to teach them. Right. And that so I think point. people kind of forget that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was dyslexic. My young, He's about five years younger than, than me. Mm-hmm. He was dyslexic. And so mom actually started to create math card games to help him learn his math facts. And Mm. those ideas that she did with him is what I did with my kids also. Hmm. Yeah. So you just copied, you know, what, what worked. And I hope that my children copy with their children. Mm -hmm. I think I did a pretty good job with my kids. Yes. Well, that's awesome. And, and what, what a great, but yes, I've met your mother as she I actually met her before I met you. Um, when I was speaking at a conference and I in South Dakota, and oh, she yeah. happened to be there. And um, yes, she is a very impressive woman. And um, we just really hit it off because I have a background in physics. And I was an engineer before I stayed home. And so we we had a lot of things in common. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. Oh, well, that's awesome. And what, what a great, you know, experience growing up. And and you, you pointed out something that my guest um, two weeks or two broadcasts ago said too, is she grew up in an environment where learning was always happening. And um, I, I just really want to, you know, point that out because I think sometimes we don't think our kids are learning because we don't have books out, but learning is like when we're learning, when, you know, when we're, we're trying something new, that's the environment we've created. And that's what cultivates that learning process. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So that's a a great thing to to point out and um, remember just as we're we're thinking about teaching our kids that it's it's about creating that environment where that is acceptable. And, you know, mistakes happen in that. But um, but it's there's always something to learn. (laughs) It's funny that you bring up about mistakes happen. What I did with my kids is I told them. You know, especially when they got to be the young teenagers and teenage years, you know, the little mm-hmm. ones, not so much. But as they got older, I said, if you make a mistake and you learn from it, then that's perfectly fine. 
Mm-hmm. If you make the same mistake again repeatedly, well, then shame on you because you obviously didn't learn your lesson. Right. <laughs> but my, my second or my second child, Anna, she would she and her older brother are 13 months apart. She mm. would watch him. She was a very cautious child. Not so much now, but as a child, she was very cautious. And she mm. would watch what Jonathan would do. And she'd be like, ah, yes. No. Ooh, that looks like that hurt. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Or she'd watch that one and she'd say, okay, that looked good. He didn't mm-hmm. die. I'll go and do that one. Right. You know, so yeah. It was funny because I would tell the kids, you know, again, if you, if you make a mistake, you, mm-hmm. you know, something happens, you learn from it, good for you. But the best ones are the ones that look at other people's mistakes. And my right. daughter was so good at that. She'd watch other kids' mistakes and go, I'm not doing that one. Uh huh. And that is a difference between boys and girls, too. I remember um, reading the book about bringing up boys and just how boys would, would try things. And even if they failed at it, they would go, oh, well, that wasn't, you know, it, what if I do it again, it's not going to happen. You know, they yeah. <laughs> they don't quite think through that. Um, and so, so yes, but but yes, those children that want to just step, step back. I have one of those too. My my youngest is is that way. She'll learn from her brother's mistakes and, yes. and not do them. And how wise of her. <laughs> exactly. If we could all do that. <laughs> and I think, I, to me, the big thing that is, is you're learning. You learn from your mistakes. So to me, there's mm. nothing wrong with a mistake. Yeah. as long as you learn from it. Mm-hmm. So it's not to me the mistake that's the issue. It's the, did you learn? That's right. the issue. Yeah, yeah. And that is very true. It's- and sometimes we, I think as a, as parents, need to remind the kids, what is the lesson? Mm-hmm. I remember one time, uh, my third one, Maggie, had fallen out of a tree and broke her arm. Oh. And we were talking that day about being positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, not that Dave specific, but after that, we were talking about being positive. You know, what does mm-hmm. a positive person say? You know, and they give a response. What would a negative person say? Mm-hmm. And I used to make you falling out of a tree. And I said, well, what would a positive person say? And I was thinking that the answer would be something like, well, I get spoiled or I don't have to do dishes or I, you know, I get this. And, uh-huh. and I said, they would say, ouch. I said, okay, what would a negative person say? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, how you know, it was interesting to watch him and to see how he took his humor, but yet still learned within that. Mm-hmm. And I think everything, whether it be falling out of a tree or whatever your mistake is, you can still learn from it. Okay. Yes. In your yep. case, we learned that we should not be climbing trees while wearing dresses because the oh, dress yeah. got snagged and that's oh. why she was falling. And yeah. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, all those lessons learned and yes, yeah, you increase definitely. your bone density when you, <laughs> yeah, you have that break. Exactly. So <laughs> there's positives. Uh, so, you know, what, in, you know, in your background, what ways did you learn best um, as you were growing up? And then, you know, how did they, I mean, we talked a little bit about that, but affecting, you know, just how you approach different things that your your kids were learning. Um and did you find that, you know, that that was pretty easy for you or did you c- kind of have a struggle with, with that? Um, well, I was taught in a very traditional setting. Um, mm-hmm. I went to mostly private schools, some public schools, but all the way through, even up through college, everything was very traditional. Mm-hmm. So when I had my children, I expected things to do the same. You just do this, you know, you pop them in school, you do that. It's, Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that it would be different. Um, 
like I said, I expected the same with my children, but my, my mom helped guide me to teaching the kids. You know, mm. with her Montessori background, she would right. be able to do this yeah. and try mm-hmm. that. And, and it was because of her that I started to teach the children how to read. Um, mm. You know, everything was very hands-on. Like to teach the children how to read, we right. actually had those refrigerator magnets. Mm. And we would mm-hmm. do things like at that point, they knew all the sounds. We would read the Dr. Seuss ABC books. You right. know, remember yeah. big A or big, mm-hmm. instead of saying big A, little A, what begins with A, you mm-hmm. do the sound, big A, little A, what begins with A, and Danny's alligator, A, A, A. I've read this ah, about a zillion times. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> my son, when he was the oldest, when he was 18 months, you know, he loved the the big t- little, t- what begins with t- 10 tired turtles on a tuttle tuttle tree. Oh, he gosh. loved that one. He loved the letter T. That was his favorite. Mm. And he was 18 months. And I was doing something. I was getting somebody out of the car, you know, one of the, one of the other kids out of the car. And mm-hmm. John got away from me a little bit. And he went up to a sign, pointed to the letter T, and said, because he saw the letter T. He was 18 months. Wow. But that's the kind of thing that if you're continuing to teach the children. Right. So you want things to be hands-on. So they learned to read by actually working on the refrigerator. Hmm. working with mm-hmm. the letters so we had m at and then we'd rhyme it and say b at mm. k, at um can't think of another word hat you know so right. they, they would work with that and it was just fun so everything was very hands-on mm-hmm. very, very and you incorporated that play that we've been yes. talking about so much too lately well, and it was real life it wasn't mm-hmm. a case of okay we're going to sit down and work now it was a right. uh, oh let's do that and as i'm mm-hmm. doing dishes can you find the t- can you find the, um, you know, I can't think of a letter right now, but, you know, a word um, that they would spell out yeah. and they would mm-hmm. work with it. So, again, everything was very hands-on. Um, so that's kind of how I taught my children. Even though I didn't learn that way, mm-hmm. I started to teach my children that way. We lived on a ranch, and mm-hmm. so everything was very out there. I mean, the kids would go outside and play and basically I'd yell for them to come in for dinner and then they right. you know, they disappear again. And mm-hmm. you know, they were outside. Everything was hands-on. Yes. So that made learning for them very easy. Again, everything was, was very active with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. And they, they had that opportunity to, to explore and and build those neural pathways was they were playing and and creating things in their that environment um so so it gave them a lot of but but yeah it, it it does take a little bit of a shift and if we don't have a mentor like you know you had in your mother it it takes a lot of study um lots of listening to podcasts and reading blogs you know trying how do i do this because or you know and and kathleen is just giving you um instructions <laughs> on how to do that um because it can become very confusing because we grow up in this traditional education environment which i did too and I had never even heard the word phonics. I had no idea what what I was teaching and or how to teach. Um, and and you know I would have never even thought to sound out the T in a book other than saying the the letter T. The name um, of it, right? Is yes. that the sound of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And and so it, it takes that education of us. Um, to mm-hmm. to kind of come out of whatever mold we were taught in in order to um, to make learning easier and more accessible 
to to our kids. And like you said, they can learn at a younger age um, as well as they can catch on to things quicker because that's that's the way they're meant to learn. There's so much curriculum um, traditional curriculum that is written that teaches kids in ways that makes them contort and bend and, you know, totally against their natural inclinations for learning. Exactly. And I think that's one thing that if you sit and listen to yourself, you know what Mm. the kids need. And it's so easy to, well, they say, or this is what I did, but no, Mm -hmm. listen to yourself. God gave these children to you. Again, whether they're adopted or they're biological, they are your children. Mm -hmm. You know in your heart what they need. That doesn't mean that you know everything. Mm -hmm. It means that you still need to go listen to podcasts and read books and check out this. And maybe you don't agree with what your mother's saying, but she might have some ideas for you or your best friend, listen to people, evaluate it, bring it in. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, what's best. Like I tell new mothers, you know, you know, if your child is sick, Mm -hmm. you know, your heart knows if your child is sick, if you're like, yeah, they're running a fever, but they're okay. You know, again, stop and check. Yes, they're, they're okay. They're okay. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, even if the child looks right, uh, for example, I had uh, my third one had some um, some food allergies. And we did not mm-hmm. know this until she was probably about six months. She was diagnosed. She gained, mm-hmm. I think, like three pounds her first month of life. She mm-hmm. should have gained a lot more than that. I mean, those of you that have babies, you know oh, that. Yeah. They gained a lot uh-huh. more than three, month, or three pounds in six months. And I kept saying there is something wrong with this child. Mm-hmm. When I was doctoring and I was taking her in, I actually had one doctor say, you're overstressed. She's fine. Oh. No, I'm not. I mean, at that point, I had mm. three kids. But it right. was, <laughs> yeah, the oldest was two and a half. Anna was one and a half when, when Maggie was born. So mm. we had a very chaotic household there for a while. Mm-hmm. But I knew in my heart that something was wrong with this child. Yeah. And sure enough, it was she was about nine months old when we finally finally realized what it was. She had a very severe dairy allergy. Oh, wow. But again, I listened. I knew I fought. And when this mm-hmm. doctor told me that it was my mental problem that she, that this was happening, yeah. no, 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 no. I know. It's the same mm-hmm. thing to me with your education. You know what's best. Again, yeah. look for resources, but you know in your heart, you know mm-hmm. what's best. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Because yes, we we often turn that off because we we think, you know, we downplay ourselves and think, well, the experts should know. Well, the experts aren't around your kids all the time. They don't see that baseline that you have for all of their life. Right. And when things change or things just don't seem to be progressing the way they should, then then that is Mm -hmm. it's what we need to pay attention to more. That's great. Awesome. So we have some viewers on, and I uh, totally forgot at the beginning, but if you want to comment um, or put a question in the feed, we're talking about finding your inner teacher when um, your learning experiences don't match your students. Um, We would love for you to join that conversation. So if you're watching on Facebook, on our page or YouTube, you can comment in the feed. Um, And if you're watching in our support group, you do have to give permissions to um, StreamYard to be able to post your comments or questions. But you can do that and join us there, too, or pop on to one of those other places where while we're live. Um, So so, yeah, so we've um, we've kind of dove into um, just some of those learning experiences from your background and how that kind of influenced that. But um, how about your children? You know, 
What about their learning styles? How were they influenced positive or negatively by various learning environments? And how did that impact your ability to teach them? That's actually kind of kind of an interesting question because I assumed that all the children, my, mine are all biological, and, mm-hmm. and I always thought that, well, they're coming from the same gene pool, so they're, <laughs> they're, they're going to be copy-paste. I mean, you, you've got boy-girl, but they're all going to be the same. They're being raised in the same household. Well, did God think that was a hilarious thought? Uh-huh. So we had we had children with I I I think that three out of my four had ADD. They mm-hmm. were undiagnosed as children, and today I have two out of four are diagnosed with ADD, and they're do, wow. they're taking care of and they're adults now, so they can mm-hmm. take care of it themselves and and manage it themselves. Right. All my kids were gifted, which mm. some of you are like, oh. Oh, you have gifted kids. Oh, you have gifted kids. I'm so sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, if you have a gifted kid, what takes a average child, not that there is one, but take an average child 20 minutes, it takes your gifted kid five. You just sat down with a cup of tea and they're bucket back up again. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you just settle a minute. So, yes. yes, they were gifted and that's exciting, but it's also a lot more challenging on your end. I think I had um, to teach my daughter like, twice the amount of subjects. And actually she had two transcripts full of high school credits by the time she graduated. Cause I had to keep her busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and yes. so, right. And so I kind of want to tell you one of those things about the gifted, my oldest Jonathan, when he was in second grade and I need to back up and, and kind of tell you real quick here, mm-hmm. we actually didn't homeschool because we live in a very small area, a small community. We live in a town of 200 people. We actually mm-hmm. live 17 miles outside the town. So when my kids went to school, um, my one daughter had a class of seven. Kim, that's it. My youngest, Matthew, had a class of three children. That's it. That was the entire (laughs) class. Um, So very, very small. So they were kind of homeschooled at school. Um, Mm -hmm. I kept ahead of the teachers. Again, I had mentioned I taught them how to read before they went to school. I kept ahead of their math for probably about three years so they kind of just went to school so I could do other things. And at that point, I'm, I'm running a business, too. So like it was kind of like your co-op. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was kind of nice. So they, they did that. But Jonathan in second grade was was dealing with some challenges. He was dealing with some some personally. Um, how do I how do I say this right? He, he was not making the best decisions mm-hmm. as a second grader. And, and the teacher said, you know, you really need to get him tested. He's having some challenges. We may have to hold him back. Mm. Well, my firstborn, I don't know what to do with these kids. I've never had one before. So <laughs> I went and had him tested. And he was reading at the eighth grade level. And he was doing his math at the third grade level. So mm. he was bored out of his skull. Yeah. And we actually contemplated um, homeschooling at that point. And we ended up moving to the town where we live now because he was he was in a slightly bigger school. We moved to the town where we are now. And I told the teachers there that you can't just give him more homework because mm. he's gonna he's gonna take that that sheet of paper, ball it up, you know, and aim it for your forehead and just just to get some, just to get some excitement happening. <laughs> right. So they had things, you know, kind of like you said with your daughter, they would give him things like he would go and chart the daily temperatures or the wind speed and create a chart. Mm -hmm. So they were giving him work above and beyond to keep him mentally occupied. 
Right. He actually had to deal with the teachers for him that he could read anytime he wanted during any classes as long as his grades were up. Hmm. He would catch on to something very quick. Again, because he was gifted, he would catch on very quick. He'd read a book, take the test, and as long again as his grades were fine, they just let him go. So hmm. he found ways to adapt to make it work. And again, that kind of comes back to helping your kids adapt and whatever you're mm -hmm. setting, whether you're homeschooling and just your family, you're doing co-ops, you know, perhaps you are in the school setting, advocate for your children to get them what they need. Mm -hmm. um, another problem that we had, another challenge that we had is I have a daughter with, I have to stop and say the word right, anaphantasia, see anaphantasia. Mm -hmm. Which are you familiar with that, Peggy? No, or, I'm not familiar with that. What one. it is is it it affects about one out of every fifty people, and they have low or no visual memory. Wow! And I did not realize that my daughter had this until she was about thirteen, because I talk hmm. a lot about math and you need to visualize and the whole hmm. thing. And Anna said she was about, you know, about thirteen. She said, "You know, Mama, what do you, what do you mean by visualizing?" I said, well, like, you know, when you close your eyes and you can see daddy's face. And she went, no, well, he's not going to Let's uh -huh. try something different here. We know you've been to your room on a somewhat regular basis. I said, can you close your eyes and see your room? And she said, no. And as I was thinking, really? And even now, today, mm. I can see your, your desk is there and your, your shelves are there and your bed and your door and you put your stuffed animals. And she's right. like, not really. And I thought, Oh dear, I didn't drop her on her head. What's what's going on? What, right. Well, we found out because again, you know, like I recommend, you know, you I I looked, I talked to people, I searched and tried to figure out what was going on. We found out mm. what this is. And then she actually graduated high school in three years. She graduated college with a double major in three and a half years. So mm. she's not a stupid girl. But just recently, she's married now. And one day I was asking her, I was talking about this to some people, and I said, I wonder if Anna's still, you know, how's that going with her? And I asked her, I said, so what does your husband look like? And she said, well, he has a beard. I said, seriously? You see him on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a visual memory, or it's right. very cool. And mm -hmm. I said, what color eyes does he have? I mean, I happen to know they're brown because I have seen him also. Uh -huh. She said, I'm not sure. Hmm. So, and I bring this up because you have these challenges with right. your kids and hopefully you don't have this one, but mm -hmm. your kids have these challenges and we've got to find a way to work around that. Right. So exactly. Did any of my experience help with this? No. Mm -hmm. You know, do I have ADD? No. Do I have the, the anaphantasia? No. Do we say it right? Anaphantasia. Yes. Um, uh, Another one that we had to deal with is my youngest, Matthew, dealt with some vision therapy. He would, starting mm. at about first grade, he would say, the words are getting soggy. Oh, that's an interesting description. And yeah. actually, I just was talking to him and I said something about soggy. He's like, yeah, I know what I mean. Apparently, he meant it was blurry. Oh, was okay. So mm. I'm a good mom. I took him in, had his eyes checked. They said, oh, yeah, he's got great great vision. This is good. Mm. And, you know, next year he says, well, my things are getting soggy. And at that point, then he started to read with one eye covered oh. because it was blurry and things were switching around. And so he right. could see he needed vision therapy. Mm. So again, I had to learn something new to help my children navigate their world. 
So it's not my world that we're worried about. It's their world that I have to learn about to navigate. Mm -hmm. And one side thing I want to just encourage people who are dealing with some of these things, like with my son Mm -hmm. needing the therapy. Like I said, we live in a very rural area. And we had to drive three hours one way for his Mm -hmm. weekly appointments. So we spent six hours in the car for a one-hour appointment. Wow. And it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he was old enough and young enough with older siblings to have an attitude. Yeah. So we, I was able, we should have done it for about two years. We did it for a year. Mm-hmm. And looking back, and this is a case of I didn't follow my instinct. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. I'm done. I'm, I'm done battling this kid. You know, again, he had some attitude. It was a lot of driving, a lot of money. We didn't mm-hmm. have gas prices like we do now, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I did not listen to my intuition and we stopped. We was about 80% done. I mean, they didn't say, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is gonna be wrecked. But yeah. even today, he still has some kickback from that because mm. we did not finish that therapy. Hmm. I did not listen to my intuition. That was a mistake. And again, yeah. he's fine. He's a, he's living, he's, he's making more money than one guy ought to have. And he's got a wonderful life, but mm-hmm. he still does not read like the other kids do. And when he does, he has to put readers on. Mm-hmm. So my point to this is, is every kid is different. We have to learn as they learn. Right. To help them navigate. That's great advice. They go yep. through things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, we learn so much as we work with our kids. Um, and we do them a disservice when we don't. And so, um, so that's. And I think we also have to learn to adapt. Another mm-hmm. thing that my Matthew did, again, he was the youngest of the kids, um, he probably didn't really talk till he was about four. Hmm. He could. He just chose not to. Thank right. you. It was just, mm-hmm. and people kept saying, you know, the other kids are talking for him. And I would listen because, again, I wanted to check and make sure. And I'd listen and no, they weren't talking for him. He just mm-hmm. had nothing to say. Right. And so we started to learn sign language just to give him an avenue. And we mm-hmm. still, we, we didn't learn a lot, but we learned Oh, I don't know, probably about a hundred words, enough that I could tell him to put on your, you know, to put on your shoes. You know, I would tell him certain things and, you know, we would communicate. And then he realized that, oh, oh, communication. I totally Mm. get this. And then Uh. he worked out with paragraphs. He he just chose not to. But again, we adapted to fit his needs Mm -hmm. so that he could become, that he could continue to grow. Instead right. of just saying, all right, kids, no one's going to talk for Matthew. Mm-hmm. We found a way around it so we could find that key, unlock it, and then right. go forth. Yeah, and he had to see the purpose in it, like you yes, said. exactly. And, right. and once he realized that, oh, I have a voice and I can command things or, you know, do right. things. And it's like, oh, it's, this is useful. Um, and, and that goes around a lot of things that kids do. If they don't see it as useful, they're not going to do it or it, an advantage to them to do it. Um, they'll they'll just say, huh, you know, it's going fine without that. (laughs) Why do I have to learn this? And I think one thing, just kind of piggyback on that. Sometimes there's things that aren't useful to learn, but they're just cool. Mm. Make Mm -hmm. sure when you have those things that you find that same joy. Like, I'm not really a fan of snakes. Thank you. (laughs) But to sit with the kids and watch how a snake will move. Hmm. I'm uncomfortable, but this is not about my learning. This oh, is about their so learning. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, as 
the teachers of our children to help them be the best that they can be is sometimes we have to set aside our fears, our insecurity, mm-hmm. our worries. Yes. And work with them so that we can help them be what mm-hmm. they want to do. You know, thankfully the snake thing moved on fast, but right. they still learned and yeah. they worked with it. Yes, yes. Um, that's, another that's great. Another story about something I did is I traveled a lot. I tra- still travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And I started taking my kids on trips with me. I take them one at a time just because there was mm-hmm. a pile of them. It was easier to take right. one at a time. Uh-huh. And they were probably starting about age 10 or 11. And what I did, because of course they could all read, is I would we would get to the airport and I would tell them, and these were you know bigger trips, get to mm-hmm. the airport and say, all right, you tell us where we're going. Mm-hmm. You know we're taking a flight to you know, Alaska to, to Fairbanks, Alaska, mm-hmm. find it on the board. Where's the gate? How do mm-hmm. I get to the gate? Which direction, you know, and all those things. So that if they ever get in a position where they're 18 years old and want to go somewhere, they know how to get to exactly. the Exactly. Because yep. would it be easier for me to say, okay, honey, go this way, this way, come on, over here, this way, you know, mm-hmm. direct their traffic and they don't have to think, right. but instead I made them yep. think. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we get to the hotel and it's room, you know, 1107 and the little arrow says 1107 is that way and they turn this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I follow with them the wrong way because <laughs> they're going to learn it. Right. Yep. That goes and back to our mistakes mistake and learning from that. Yep. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think that's what's important. I think sometimes people just need to hear that, that mm. you need to let them make mistakes, not dangerous mistakes, not like fire mistakes, right? There's nothing wrong with going the wrong way in a hotel. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to cost us five extra minutes. We'll be Mm -hmm. fine. We'll get some exercise out of it too. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We used to do that a lot. We do a lot more road trips than, than flying with our kids. And you know, we get the old maps out, even if they had a navigator, how do you read the map? You know, how do you find where are we? And, uh, you know, where's, you know, the nearest rest area or, or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's always always a fun challenge to mm-hmm. keep them on their toes. And <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. Um, so I was going to ask you, what things did you do to help yourself um, better understand how your kids learn and what you need to best teach them? I, I've heard a little bit from you. You know, you've talked to some, some experts, but... Um, what what are some ways that parents are thinking, you know, I don't even know where to start with trying to figure out how my child learns or what they could possibly need that is different from my own learning experience? Well, as far as your own learning experience, politely, who cares about you? Mm-hmm. We're not teaching you. So I might be more comfortable in a classroom Maybe because that's what I'm familiar with. Maybe it's because I like the auditory learning. Mm -hmm. But it's not about me. It's how does your child. So try things. Try. Mm -hmm. Does it work best if I say, you know, here, Peggy, read this. Or Peggy, would we like to talk about this? Or Mm -hmm. would you like to watch it? Would you like to do it? Mm -hmm. And try it and see what works. And again, talk to other people. They mm-hmm. can see things sometimes that you can't because you're so close to it. Yes, exactly. And see what yep. they have to say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there, to me, there's no one right answer that you take a quiz and poof, there's the answer. Because yes. as soon as you do, your kids are going to change. 
Yeah, that's so true. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we have to keep changing with them. We have to keep checking. So even if you decide, okay, my kid's very hands-on, mm-hmm. they don't like the auditory, right. um, they don't like me talking to them, you know, they want to all figure it out themselves. Okay, that's now, but don't stop the auditory. Right. Don't stop yes, the visual. Don't stop mm-hmm. the, you know, keep going with it because if mm-hmm. you've got a child who's very hands-on, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. but they still need to learn how to follow directions. Yes. yes. And it may not be mm-hmm. their you know, verbal. It may not be their, their area that they're the strongest, mm-hmm. but sometimes life is verbal. You know, when I listen right. to yeah. in the airport and they say, you know, they make announcements, I need to be able to hear it, translate it, understand and act on it. Right. So it's exactly. not on. Yep. So I think the thing is, is you can't look and say, my child is, X way of learning. Mm-hmm. They may prefer that. They may be more comfortable with it. But mm-hmm. We still have to play with the other types yes. of learning. Yes, exactly. Yes. And introducing your, your student to those different learning modalities all of the time, yeah. um, as much as you can over one subject is going to help them become more comfortable with it. And like you said, they it may not be their go-to, you know, they right. may choose as an adult. I, I want to process all my books audio, you know, you know, as audio versions. Right. That's fine. Um, but and even, yeah. even cases like my son, Matthew, that that has the vision challenges, mm-hmm. he does listen to. He listens to podcasts and he, he mm-hmm. does a lot of that, but he still reads. Yes, exactly. That oh, you have to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. certain things he'll kind of not, I shouldn't say suffer through, but he'll work through it mm-hmm. because the, there's a desired end to it. Right. Yes. Wants. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's text everywhere. We have to be able to read at least a small amount, but you know, if he has to struggle through it, he'll know when to take breaks. He'll, you know, right. he knows how to accommodate himself in those situations so that he can get through and get the information he needs. And that that's right. the most important is that they, they know how to get through all those different ways of learning because they're not going to be able to pick and choose when they get to the DMV, how they want to, you know, fill right. out the, the form right. or yeah, there's not, yeah. you know, five different options. There's one and you better do it quickly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, so yes. And, and I love that you pointed out, they keep changing, you know, and it, cause we can say, oh, my child's this type of learner. And I, you know, I just remember homeschool conferences very early on. What's your child's learning style and, you know, teaching your child all that one style and, and yet your child can change over time. They may be approached or there may be some neural connections that happen that all of a sudden trigger some other place of learning in their brain. And we just don't know. Right. Well, it's like if you only use your legs, you never use your arms. Mm -hmm. Even though my legs are my most powerful or I'm most comfortable using my legs, there's times when you do have to use it. And if you don't use those other types of learning, Mm -hmm. you're not ever going to expand them. Yes. So yes, we exactly. Have in mind, and again, you're going to know that one way is a preferred, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's an always. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a great thing. I don't think we've ever approached that on our our show, and so yeah. thank you for for definitely pointing that out. So you've been sharing some stories. Um, uh, this uh, learning process. Do you have any others to share as encouragement to our? our viewers and listeners of just 
learning along with your kids and, and learning and growing with them and, and kind of growing in that learning process. I think it's an absolute joy to see where the kids lead you. Mm hmm. So true. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. For example, um, I have some family members that unicycle, you know, the, the one. Oh, yes, you told me about thing. that. Yes. yes. Uh -huh. And because of that, my children are unicyclists. Three out of the three out of the three of them wow. are um, unicyclists. Mm -hmm. And the the boys didn't get they, they got into it initially and then they moved on. Hmm. Um, but my daughters really got into it. Because of that, we actually went to the International Unicycle Convention in New Zealand. Wow. So because of that, I got to see things mm -hmm. that I would not have normally gone to. So right. it's really neat to see where your kids will lead you. So mm -hmm. it's not a case of, I'm going to teach them all this stuff. It's a case of, we are doing this together. Yes. And I like to tell the kids, I don't know something. You know, if they ask me a question, I don't know. Let's go look it up. Mm -hmm. Because then they can see this is how we learn it. Yeah. It's not a case of mommy knows everything. Mm -hmm. It's a case yeah. of here's how we're going to learn it. Let's go learn it together. You mm -hmm. know, I don't know that. Let's go ask grandma or let's right. go ask grandpa or let's, you know, let's go see if we can find out. Let's go buy some snakes and see what happens when, mm -hmm. you know, and, and see where that leads us. And it's amazing right. the places that our kids will bring us. Mm -hmm. um, I like that we find it together to we have that teamwork. Yeah. Um, another story that I think is kind of interesting is we will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully not bad ones, but one that, that we had, I had mentioned that, that Maggie had some food allergies. Mm -hmm. And once we found the first one, the dairy allergy, then she ended up being allergic to corn and soy and wheat. Oh, and wow. I mean, mm -hmm. basically everything she was, she basically ate meat, fruits, vegetables, and rice. Mm. So she had her own food groups and the whole thing. And <laughs> we had unfortunately developed um, attitude that when Maggie wasn't feeling well, we all were like, oh, Maggie's not feeling well. Kids, just be nice to her. Mm. So what did that do? That ended up creating this princess who had uh. a crown that she hung on to it because I'm not feeling <laughs> well, you have to. Mm. And she was about 11 when I realized what was happening. I was mm -hmm. a little slow, apparently. And <laughs> you think I would have figured it out sooner, but I didn't. Oh, no, because it's all going on in your home. You, you have two yeah. other things going, going on, so too. <laughs> and, right. yeah. Once I realized that we were in the process of creating a monster, mm. we and what I said is whenever Maggie would, at that point, she was starting to eat some of the foods and then she, of course she'd have reactions and they weren't right. like life threatening. She was just mm -hmm. more attitude. And so once I realized that I would say, okay, you're the one who chose to eat whatever you mm -hmm. go to your room until you feel like you can come out and be part of this family again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even today, and sorry, Maggie, if you're listening, she's got <laughs> a little bit, still a little bit of that carried forward. And I really wish I would have discovered that I was creating that mm -hmm. because we allowed her to have her attitude. If I, would have, right. if I would have changed it when she was eight or six or five, mm -hmm. it might have made a difference. Right. So the point of that is, is we do make mistakes, but then you don't mm -hmm. go, well, you know, she's 11. She's a princess. We're just going to let her go. You right. change it. When right. you know you've made a mistake mm -hmm. in whatever whether mm -hmm. it be what curriculum I chose or we're using this therapist and it's really, 
not working, but I've got a lot of money into them. Move mm-hmm. on. Find the best. Be the advocate for your child, mm-hmm. even if you have to advocate against yourself. That's and, you know, instead advice. of, oh, it's just so yeah. much easier to let her have an attitude. No, mm-hmm. honey, you chose to eat whatever. You need to go to your room until you feel like you can come out and be an appropriate member of this family. Mm-hmm. And right. so fight for them. Fight mm-hmm. for you. Even if sometimes you have to fight against yourself. Oh, that's so much work. You want me to do what? <laughs> Well, we have to do it. It's our responsibility. God gave us these children so that we help them be the best that they can be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So stop and look at your results. Do you Mm -hmm. need to make a change with what you're doing in whatever it is? Mm -hmm. The way you're, you're relating to your spouse, the way you're relating to your friends, the way that you're relating to your children, the way the curriculum that you're using, Mm -hmm. uh, the sharp words that you or don't say mm-hmm. you need to say sharper words you know there's right. uh, look at what you're doing and evaluate and then have the courage and the strength to make the difference mm. so you can yes. fight for your kids for them to be the best that they can be mm-hmm. one thing that my parents taught me because i work with them this this was this the right start math is mm-hmm. my mother's company and my mother and father developed a company together and i came in and we separate the difference between my parents and my coworkers. And mm-hmm. there's sometimes, and I kind of talk about this with my kids, there's sometimes that I don't like my coworker, but I love my parents. <laughs> right. And yes. I think the same thing is okay to say sometimes with your kids. Mm-hmm. I don't really like you, but of course I love you, mm-hmm. but I don't like your behavior or I don't like this. And I right. think it's okay for the kids to say, mom, I really don't like you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I love you, and you're going to do it this way because it is right. in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Instead of going, well, I just want to be their friends. Mm-hmm. No, your job is to be the parent and right. then be the friend. But when they're adults, and again, I learned this from my parents, when they're adults, then you can be equals. Right. Right exactly. now, you're not their equal. Mm-hmm. You are their parent. And yes. you need to do the best you can for them. And again, advocate for them fight for them, whatever it takes, do that mm-hmm. for them. Yes. Yes. Such wonderful advice. I'm yeah. We don't hear that enough in, in our society that, um, that yes, we can, we can turn around our own things, um, and repent. I've, I've done that with my kids and said, yeah. just please, please forgive me. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I and yeah, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, or, I'm not feeling well, and I said something I should not have. To mm-hmm. me, there is nothing wrong. I think there's actually more power to mm-hmm. apologize to your child, not for trite things, but when I have right. not behaved well. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I spoke to you in a manner I should not have. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Another thing yeah. that I think is important is trust the child. Yes. Trust them. That's talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just the dictator on high who gets to make these wonderful decisions, mm-hmm. but trust them. Like I'd mentioned, my daughter graduated high school early. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to let a 16-year-old let, let loose in the world? And yes, she was mm-hmm. a very mature young lady. Right. You know, she chose to graduate high school or excuse me, college early because mm-hmm. she did the work. But high school, I could have held her back. And I've got some friends right now that have decided to hold their very mature, very responsible child back in high school. So that they finished it in four years, traditionally, mm-hmm. 
rather than allowing them to graduate early and start their life and their life's mission that they want to do. Hmm. I look at it and think, I think they maybe should have gone. That child hmm. was ready. It was not an immature child. It was a very responsible one. Right. And now she's lost six months that she can't get back mm-hmm. because she has to wait to start the schooling that she wants. She wants going to be a paramedic. Okay. You know, so now yeah. she has to wait yep. in order to get into that class instead of starting mm-hmm. in December like she was hoping to. Right. So yeah. trust your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so important to have those discussions with them. It's their life. I, yes. I remember as my kids hit those high school years, just to talk to them. What What do you want? Do you want a transcript that has things that you want to learn on it? Or do you want one that'll get you into a college? Because right. um, they're very different. <laughs> and yeah. you're the one who has to live with this. Um, and the same was with my daughter. I mean, she did end up having double the credits, but she didn't know what she wanted to do. She had no idea. And I was like, I'm not just going to graduate you into nothing. Um, So let's just keep learning together and figuring out, you know, where God's calling you. And when you feel ready, yes, we'll graduate you. Um, And, and so it it is, it's involving them in that process and, and asking those questions and, and, and learning along with them as they go. Mm -hmm. and, and being willing to to make those those changes to what and you've been talking a lot about this, Kathleen, about your preconceived ideas of what education should look like, how that child should learn um, and all of these other things, because they are unique. And sometimes the preconceived ideas on what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I would love mm-hmm. to have a doctor in the family. I don't have any who want to be doctors. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think I think that's so hard. Or sometimes families will say, well, you know, we're a farming ranching family and I need the boys to take over. Mm. The boys don't want to. Right. You know, they have God is leading them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So we need to find a different plan to figure this out. Right. And again, I think that comes back to trusting, trusting yourself, mm. trusting them asking the questions, looking around, right. seeing what other people have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And yes, we can we can interject a lot of our expectations into that. And I know that's why I pursued engineering. Mm-hmm. My dad was an engineer. It's what he wanted me to do. And I did it and I hated it. And and so, yeah, I mean, but I learned a lot through it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. That's actually funny you bring that up, Peggy, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. And then I saw, because like I said, I had gone to some private schools. I yeah. saw what my classmates did to some of the student teachers. And I thought, I will never be a student yeah. teacher. I will <laughs> never put myself in a position like that. And now here I am today teaching people, mm-hmm. you know, which I find it funny that God's like, really, you're going to be a teacher. But yeah. I, didn't, I want kind of one of those things where and I also, as a child, a young adult, never asked questions. And so I made a point of making sure that I asked the questions of my kids, or even if they didn't give me an answer, asked of themselves, hmm. what do you want to do, son? What do you want to do, daughter? Right. Or even as they're younger, is this really an appropriate way to answer your worksheets or to deal with your worksheets? Mm, you know, that's great. Yes. Like I tell the middle school kids that I teach, it is your responsibility to teach you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we, we can see what the results are, but you're right. the only one who can tell me if you understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you provide the context. Yes. And your responsibility mm-hmm. to understand it. I will do everything as your teacher. I will do everything I can to help you 
Mm-hmm. But it is your responsibility to say, you know, I still don't get it. Help me right. out. Exactly. Instead so of just nodding and going through the paces and yeah. <laughs> not so really learning anything. Tell that to the kids. Make sure they know it's their responsibility to be mm-hmm. the best that they can be, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. whether it's to be a welder like my Matthew, mm-hmm. you know, or like Anna works, my, my second one, she actually works with, um, she works in a retirement home. Mm-hmm. And she just loves on everybody. She's just she's just everybody's best friend. And mm-hmm. that's her job. Yeah. You know, Maggie works in a warehouse and she does shipping stuff and she does it really, really good. Mm-hmm. So what do they want to do? How do they want to get there? How can I support them? Right. Exactly. And it's not about me. My job is to support them and help them grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They they need that too. There's there's so many young adults and teenagers these days that don't have that support from their family, a community, or anybody, and they feel so alone. And they they're pursuing something that's on their heart, and nobody right. will support them in it. And just to and love your kids through somebody. those things. Yes, and they do. Find yep. somebody. So if it's a you know your family says you know they want you to be the engineer and you want to be a rancher. Mm-hmm. And find a rancher that can mentor you. Right. Exactly. Or ideally, we as parents, if I don't know anything about ranching, I'm mm-hmm. going to find, okay, where can I find a rancher who can mentor my son or my yes. daughter to mm-hmm. do this? Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm trying to find a tattoo artist. <laughs> That's what my daughter wants an apprenticeship in. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know any tattoo artists. Yeah. If you do, yeah. contact me. <laughs> She's an incredible artist. and. Well, so, then you can yes. work with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, it's, it, it is, it's going out and, and just being helpful to them in that pursuit because eventually, I mean, they, they take over that, but they need the confidence yes. to be able to move forward. And, you know, in all the things that you've done, Kathleen, you've instilled that confidence in your kids by giving them that learning environment, teaching them how to teach themselves and and just allowing them to make those mistakes as they learn and grow and then teaching them who they are as you discovered yeah. that and then and then giving them that that's a gift. The support, the support yes. to who mm-hmm. they are and what they want to be and what their calling is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So very important. That that sums up <laughs> A wonderful bit of wisdom that we've been talking about in this last hour. Um, so before we end, though, Kathleen, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about Right Start Math and just um, what your your company does, how our viewers can connect with you. And um, yeah, just- okay. Right Start Math, as you can see in the bottom of the screen there, it's Right Start Math, R-I-G-H-T, startmath.com. We are an elementary and middle school curriculum. We use an abacus to give the children a visual idea of their math, and then they play card games to practice what they've learned. So it's a different approach, and it's an extraordinarily effective approach. Mm -hmm. The kids coming out of our program are scoring twice as high as standard programs. We hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. It is a research-based program, and it's just, it's wonderful because it, it teaches the kids, you know, with the Montessori principles that Dr. Cotter, you know, was educated in. Mm-hmm. It teaches the children with the way that they think. Yeah. Um, we have parents all the time saying, oh, 
the things that I'm learning as I'm teaching this to my children, I wish I would have learned this way. Mm. No, I know. Yeah. That's the joy of the Right Start Math program. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we're an elementary and middle school math program. Again, it's rightstartmath.com. We do have a full curriculum. We also have a tutoring, a new tutoring series. Yes, and I got to review that. Yes, you did. That was great. And that's kind of neat. We've got the number sense, which is addition, subtraction, up to four digits. We actually do it in 50 lessons. We assume that these children are at least two years, three years older than, than, you know, they're they're two to three years behind where they should be. I'll say it that way. Right. Um, you know, maybe more. I actually have a 19 year old girl who's going through the number sense book, mm-hmm. but there's no worksheets. It's yeah. just games. So it's mm-hmm. a very different approach. We just finished our multiplication and division book. I think it's like about a week and a half old now. Mm-hmm. Multiplication division is out. We've got a fractions, a right start tutoring fractions book. We have clocks and money. Um, we've got card games that if you're committed to another program, mm-hmm. we can use these card games to pull in some of that fun and that application. Yeah for what the children are learning. Mm-hmm. So again, it's mm-hmm. right start math, R-I-G-H-T, startmath.com. Yes, and I'll have the link in the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel for you to be able to just click on that too. So that is, and you can also watch my unboxing and review of those tutoring programs on the Sped Homeschool YouTube channel. And so you can kind of see see what's in there. Um, it, it is, it's, it's very impressive, um, and and there aren't many programs out there that have those those types of in between um, fill in the gap. I would say type of um, programs where a lot of times you just have to go back over you know years of curriculum to figure out where the gaps are. Right, they're very specific in in targeting those those specific areas that those are made for. So it's. Um, Kudos to you guys for, well, for doing you. that because it's, it's a much needed so much. product. Yep. And thank you so much for having me here today. This oh, absolutely. Joy. Thank you, Peggy. Yeah. Well, it has been a joy discussing with you, too. You had so much to share and so much good wisdom for our viewers and listeners. Um, and so I appreciate you being on, Kathleen. And um, yeah, can't wait till we get back together in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you to viewers. Um, I, I see a lot of you been on, you've been quiet today, which is completely fine. We, uh, we understand usually it's your lunch hour and you're just kind of popping on while you're, you're catching lunch with your kids. So, um, but, um, but yeah, feel free to, um, to put any comments or questions in the feed after the, um, the video too. And we can pass those on to Kathleen or we can answer them for you. Um, we'd be happy to do that as well. So just know that, um, we, we are here as a resource for you even before and after our live broadcast. So, um, and next week we're going to continue on with this conversation of finding your inner teacher. And, um, our topic is going to be, um, when your student doesn't respond to typical teaching methods, and I'm going to have um, a previous guest on who is a a therapy expert, and she has kids whose issues started coming out and realized that typical methods were not going to (laughs) work. And just what she did to find that inner teacher to to change up her strategies to to meet those needs. And I know a lot of you are going to relate to that, um, as you will relate to, to what Kathleen had to say today, too. So, um, um, so make sure you join us. That'll be next Tuesday, the, the last Tuesday of July. Um, and 
1230 to 130 Central is when we'll be on again. So, so thanks again um, for joining us. Thanks, Kathleen, for all the work that you do and um, for partnering with us at Sped Homeschool. And just so you all know that this broadcast was sponsored by viewers like you to make a tax-deductible donation to Sped Homeschool. You can visit us at spedhomeschool.com and click donate. So, um, so thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you right here, same time, same place next week. God bless. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.